Well, this is week two in our series on prayer. Um, hopefully, yeah, many of you kept up with the prayer guides we sent out this week through text and email. And if you signed up for them and didn't get them, please talk to me before you leave today. I want to make sure you get those. It's probably just an oversight, and we want to make sure everybody that signed up for those gets them in the way that uh, you wanted to do. Um, you know, this week, hopefully I'm not the only one that tried to engage a little more in my prayer life and tried to look for more opportunities to pray. And, and as I looked... I found opportunities. I found that there's lots of moments in my life when, you know, I'm so busy, but there's lots of little breaks where, where I can stop and talk with God. One of those times is um, I'm usually the one that takes our boys to school in the morning. And so once I drop them off, I've got like 10 to 12 minutes of absolute and total silence. And I used to just sit there and breathe and enjoy and um, but it's also a great time to sit and talk with God, and so if you pass me and I'm talking, I'm not talking to myself, um, or I guess I could be on the phone, but I'm just so you know, I'm not crazy. I'm probably praying now. I've really been enjoying that the last few days and taking advantage of that quiet time in the car, and my ultimate hope is that all of us would kind of discover or, or even rediscover the beautiful power of prayer, um, that we would move past what is often our tendency, and we talked about this a little bit last week, our tendency is often to pray just very selfishly. That's just the natural tendency. God, I want. God, I need. God, please help. Um, you know, we don't pray prayers out of wisdom, out of foresight for what's best for our future or anything like that. I mean, we're just literally praying, God, I want. Please take care and give me what I want. Um, and there's so many times in our life where this has been illustrated. For instance, how many of you have ever prayed that you would end up with someone that you did not end up with? Come on now, people. Bunch of liars. I know what the next sermon series is going to be on. Man, that's not even remotely true. Like, all of us have most likely, oh, God, they're the one. Please let me end up with them. And then, and you're so in love. And no one's ever felt love like this before. It must be God, right? And it's like, oh, until it wasn't. And then you've, you know, learned your lesson when you finally did find someone to spend your life with. And you thought, oh, man, this is what I, you know, I'm really glad God said no. Well, that was really a good thing of his, even though at the time maybe we didn't see it. Um, how many of you, when you were around 16, prayed for a certain type of car? Okay, I heard Andy Stanley saying he went down to the car lot and he'd sit in cars and pray, God, I want this one. I was like, that's not a bad idea, you know. I don't know how many you know, car salesmen are going to go help the 16-year-old out, you know, with all the money 16-year-olds are known to have. Um, but, you know, if, I, if I, God answered every one of those prayers I prayed for cars, I'd have a fleet of sports cars or I'd be dead. Like, that's probably the reason God said no. He knew how I drove when I was 16. My brother was going to sell me um, his, I want to say it was late 80s Mustang. It was a 5.0, jet black. It was a beauty, beauty of a car, and it would go so fast. And I couldn't afford it because I got too many speeding tickets. How's that irony for you, right? Like, it's like, it's good. I look back and I was so bummed about that. But, um, yeah, God knew better than to answer some of those prayers. Um, some of you, the prayers you pray now are, Dear God, please don't let my spouse get home before the boxes from Amazon arrive. Like, I need to hide that stuff first, you know. Please let them not, not get the mail so they see the credit card bill and things like that. Um, that's just our tendency to pray prayers for our protection or safety for what I want. Um, I looked on uh, Twitter, of all places, the other day, just searching for, like, Funny things that people have prayed, and, and I found a pastor telling a story about how about once a month they have a kid come up and pray in front of the church for the service, and their church was like a block away from a train track, and the kid got up and he prayed, dear God, bless the train so that it doesn't go off the tracks and destroy our church and kill us all. 
<laughs> it's like, amen. Like, all right, yeah, okay, sure. I mean, that's not wrong. I mean, he, I mean, he wasn't praying just for himself. He did say kill us all, you know, didn't want it to kill them all, but that's okay. Um, I heard another guy um, confess or say he knew somebody that told him, I don't pray before meals. He's like, why not? He's like, well, I go to the grocery store and I pray as I put my stuff in the cart. That way I don't have to eat cold food at dinner. I don't have to stop and waste my time praying. And it's like, is that selfish or genius? I'm not, I'm not sure yet. The jury's still out on that. But there's all these ways that we pray for us and ourselves and what's going on in our lives. And I, I, again, it's not wrong to pray and ask God for things. That's part of what prayer is about. But if that's all we're praying, that's like preschool-level prayer. And we need to move just beyond that. We need to move to bigger, better, more beautiful things. And we don't, I don't want us to see God as just some sort of genie in a lamp that if we can you know, rub the lamp, he just has to show up and give us whatever we want. That's not who God is. And, and one of the, de- or the definition of prayer that we're kind of working with, and this sounds a little simplistic, but I just want us to understand that prayer is the powerful ability to speak to our God who lovingly hears us. And the reason I say it's powerful is because you and I are tiny little specks in the universe. And not just specks in terms of space, but we're specks in terms of time. Like, we exist on this earth for but a blip of the time that humanity has existed. And, and yet God takes the time to listen to our tiny little selves pray prayers to him. Because he's the God who created the universe, spoke galaxies into existence, lit up suns and, and stars with his words, and, and he hears us. What a powerful, powerful gift he has given each and every one of us that we can speak to him, and he'll take the time and the care to hear us and to love us. And as small as we are and as big as he is, he listens and I think part of understanding how powerful prayer is and, and, and part of moving beyond just praying, God help me, God do for me, God take care of me, all those kinds of things, I think part of that is means to slow down, or part of helping us accomplish that is slowing down and actually thinking about what we are praying. Um, and so this last week and this week, we're just kind of talking about some basic elements of prayer. Because it's very important that we don't just do things out of habit. So last week, the question that we looked at was, do I need to speak a certain way when I pray? And I've heard this before because a lot of us have grown up or or been around traditional churches, and and the only prayers we ever heard sounded like Shakespearean prose, these and thines and thouest and and things like that. And, And we thought, is that how you have to pray? Is that like the fancy language that only God hears? And the answer is no. There's a lot of people that pray that way, and there's nothing wrong with praying that way, but the reason they do that is because their first, probably the origin of their faith story originated around a King James Bible that was written that way, and hearing prayers like that, and that language is powerful that for them, and they have a spiritual kind of experience when they speak that way with God. But for the most part, for the rest of us, we can simply speak the way we normally speak, with love and respect like we would to anyone that we care about. So that was one question last week. Question number two from last week was, am I supposed to hear God talking back? I've heard this a lot, too. I prayed, I didn't hear nothing. Isn't God supposed to, like, isn't this like a phone call, and I pray, and then I say stuff, and then God says, sure, or no, or isn't that, shouldn't I hear God speaking in some way, shape, or form? Well, yes, God does speak to us. Um, I've, had, I've never personally heard God audibly speak, but I know people who have. Um, I've, I think there's times where I felt God kind of speaking to me through his spirit in me as I've prayed. But the most common way that God is going to speak to us is through the Bible, through his word that he's given us. And, I mean, 
there's never been a time in history when people had more access to the Bible than us. I mean, most of you have a smartphone in your pocket or in your purse that you can have the Bible in any language that is on the earth available to you right now. Like, nobody's ever had that until now. You have copies here in the pew. If you don't own a Bible, there's one. Take it home. We don't care. That's not stealing. That's a gift to you. We have amazing access to the Bible, and I'm not saying God doesn't speak through prayer but, or to you at times of prayer, but I'm saying you should not feel bad if you don't hear God talking back to you. The primary purpose of prayer is for us to talk with him and to approach him, and the main way, the normal way that God will speak to his people is going to be through his word. Not the only way, but I think the most common way. And so today I want us to get into some um, other questions. This first one, I don't know if you've asked it before, but I think it's important that we think about it. And it's this, who should I pray to? And, you know, if you're a Christian, you're going to say, God? You know, and, and you'd be right. Yeah, that's obviously the answer. Okay, it's, we're not praying to some impersonal universe, or we're not praying to some divine spark that is within us. We are praying to a God who is outside of us, a creator of the universe bigger than we are, all of that. But Christianity throws a bit of a wrench in this question because we believe that God is one God that exists in three different persons, a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit. And I'll be honest, I have a lot of trouble wrapping my tiny little human brain around what that might look like. How God can be three, but yet one. I, I, I just really don't think I fully understand that. And I'll be honest with you, I'm glad I don't. Because if there is a God who is as big as we think he is, if, I can, if my little tiny brain can understand him, he's not that big. And so these moments where God is bigger than my brain can can figure out. I think that's okay. But that brings the question, do I just pray to God in general, or do I pray to the Father, or do I pray to the Son, or the Holy Spirit? Can I pray to all three? Um, maybe a better way to say this is, do I need to direct my prayers to a certain member of the Trinity, this Father, Son, Holy Spirit combo? Um, to look at the answer, we're going to limit ourselves to the New Testament, because in the Old Testament, God hadn't revealed his three-in-oneness to uh, the people yet. And so what we want to see is in the New Testament, though, um, that we do kind of maybe get a pattern emerging that says that typically you and I are going to pray to the Father. You'll notice I almost always start my prayers with Heavenly Father. Um, that's, again, partially out of habit because that's kind of the creatures we are. We'll talk about that in a minute. But also because the, the example that is set before us most of the time in Scripture is that we pray to the Father. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, he says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven. He teaches his disciples to pray to God the Father, not to him. Jesus was God the Son. And not only did Jesus model this type of prayer, but there's another guy that we see in Scripture in the New Testament named Paul. Uh, we call him the Apostle Paul. If you come from a Catholic or a Lutheran background, you might know St. Paul, same guy. Um, he wrote letters all over the Roman world to churches. And one of the, uh, in almost every letter he wrote, he would um, pray a prayer on behalf of that church and those people in that church. And so one of the examples of that is in Romans. This is a letter to the church in Rome. In the first, very first part of that, of that letter, he says, To all those who in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. 
For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will that I may now at last succeed in coming to you. So Paul uses the term God, and it sounds kind of generic, and you might think, which, who is he talking about? God the Son, God the Spirit, God the Father. But he goes back here, let me go back a little bit, and he says, His Son, which shows us that when he's talking about God, most of the time Paul is even talking about God the Father. And so we, I think, is the, the pattern that's set up most for us is that we pray most of our prayers to God the Father, but... I think we can pray to Jesus. I think we can pray to the Holy Spirit. Because God is three in one, there are times when it is appropriate. I think it's only natural to pray to Jesus and the Spirit at times. I mean, when I'm going into a situation where I know I'm going to be tempted to do something, maybe either dumb or be angry, lose my cool, there's some days I just feel, I don't know, and like I'm in, you just get in a bad mood some days, and I know, man, my kids are going to get off the bus in a minute. And everything they're going to do is going to drive me nuts today just because of the mood I'm in. Not because they're mean, not because they're bad, not because they're mistreating each other, just because I woke up in a bad mood today. Like, and so in moments where I feel like I'm going to be in a situation where I'm going to maybe live in a way that's less than honoring of Jesus, I'll take a moment. Holy Spirit that's in me, give me the strength to live like Jesus as I go into this situation. Just to ask the Spirit to... Wake up that strength in me. Help me to accept that strength because the Spirit is inside of us to give us supernatural strength to live in ways that walk away from temptation, that walk away from sin, and walk in Christ-likeness. I think it's natural for Christians in moments of worship when you sit there and you think, man, I'm a sinner. I'm, I've done some things that are regretful and wrong and unholy, and yet God still loves me, and Jesus loved me enough to die for me. Not because I was a good person, but Jesus loved me while I was a bad person. There should be moments when you kind of get into an awe, a moment, a, a sense of awe for how much Jesus loves you that just makes you th say, thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Not when I'm good, not because I'm good, but because you're good. And so it's, it's fine for us to pray to the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit, but the pattern that's set before us in the New Testament is that most of the time we will direct our prayers to the Father. So I don't know if you ever asked that, but that is, again, it's something that we, should, we shouldn't just enter into prayer thoughtlessly, but we want to think about it. God deserves not just our attention for a moment in passing, but he deserves our full attention, our full thought, our full connection, just like anybody that you converse with would want from you. They don't, they don't want you staring at the phone, uh-huh, 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 I'm guilty of that, and they, people don't want that. They want you to look them in the eyes and, and, and engage. God expects us to engage. He deserves us to engage. So we need to think through some of this stuff rather than do it out of just habit. In fact, here's one more verse. This is an example of Paul praying to Jesus. He says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. So even Paul, even though most of the time he prayed to God the Father, he still prayed to Jesus. Um, question number four for the basics is, why do we pray in Jesus' name? We say almost every prayer we, we close out with, with, in Jesus' name, amen. And why do we do that? Is that kind of our version of, and they lived happily ever after? Is that just a way to wind down a prayer like we, you know, would wind down a story? Like, why do we do that? Is there a purpose for it, or is it just something that we do out of tradition that doesn't have a lot of meaning behind it? Because I'm a person personally, and I think probably most of you are too, we have habits in our lives that we do them because we've done them. 
and they don't really have any meaning in our life, and if you changed them, your life wouldn't be any different in any meaningful, lasting way. You know, I, I'm a really big habit person, like ritual, and I just, I, I don't know, there's comfort for me in that kind of stuff. And so every day, when I brush my teeth, I brush my teeth the same way. I start down here, and I move over, and then I go up here, and I move over this way. That's, I just do it. I, I've, some of you are like, I don't even know if I brushed my teeth today, did I? I can't even remember. But, but I do. Every, it's, it's how I do it. And I, I, it makes me, helps me know that I've hit them all. Okay? I also happen to be deathly afraid of cavities, getting those filled, because that hurts, getting shots in your mouth, and paying for cavities. So both of those are contributing factors. But even stuff like taking a shower. I shower, I wash the stuff in the same order every time, every single time. I dry off in the same way every time. When I load my dishwasher, the plates go here, cups go up here. I mean, it's always the same when I do it. Not because there's a place that says plates and cups, but because I've designated those things, and that's just my habit okay some of you have habits like that some of you you put sugar or cream in your coffee you stir it and then you tap that spoon on the mug the same number of times every single day before you sit it down you don't even know you do it but your spouse might you know they're uh, three times three tink 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 and you know they're like why do you do it like that why do you have to be that way you know you have those kinds of habits i would bet that you all, almost always put the same pant leg on first it would mess you up to go the other way probably tomorrow. You think, my whole day's off. I put my right leg in first today. Okay, so we have these habits. Again, we do them a lot, but they don't ma- make any difference in our life. And so is praying in Jesus' name just something that we've done? Somebody did it somewhere along the way and it caught on? Or does it have significant meaning? And I think it really does have significant meaning. I think it is something that we, we have to continue doing, and it has deep spiritual significance, because when we pray and we close our prayers in Jesus' name, that is an acknowledgement of our spiritual condition and, and the salvation that we have in Christ. Um, it actually is a, a representation of all that Christ has done for us. Um, if you think about it this way, in the Old Testament, people did not go directly to God. They would go to the temple and they didn't pray for forgiveness, they gave an offering to the priest, and the priest prayed for their forgiveness. There was seen that like, they needed a mediator to stand between them and God because our sin had kind of sh- shoved us away, had, had put up a barrier between us and God, and we needed somebody who was more holy to stand between us and God and ask for forgiveness on our behalf. And they had this place in the temple, this inner room called the Holy of Holies, and it was separated from the rest of the temple by a curtain. And only a priest who had gone through a very specific cleansing ritual was deemed pure enough to go into the Holy of Holies and into that presence of God. That was where God met mankind. And so a priest would go in there only once a year. And I've even heard stories that the priest would have to tie a rope around his waist just in case he did some of the cleansing wrong and he, he dropped dead from being too unholy to enter God's presence. And the rope wasn't for his sake, it was for all the other priests so they could drag him out and not have to smell him for the year as he decomposed, right? And so it's gross, right? But that was it shows the idea that We didn't just go to God. We had to have a mediator stand between us. We didn't go into the presence of God in the Old Testament. Humans did not do that. We had a mediator, a priest, stand between us and God. And yet, when Jesus died, he freed us from that. He forgave us of our sins so that we no longer stand before God as two 
dirty to enter his presence. We no longer stand covered in the muck and the mire of our sin. We can actually appear holy before God, going to him directly. Jesus is now that mediator that stands between us and God on our behalf so that we can appear clean and good. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says it this way. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, that's an important word, to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Confidence, okay? Putting a rope around your waist just in case you die is not confidence. And yet we can approach God, it says, with confidence to enter the holy places. We can come before God as as messed up as we are, as imperfect as we are, not because we are great, but why? Because of the blood of Jesus, because he chose to be our sacrifice once and for all. He died the death that you and I should have died so he could stand between us and God and say, I, I've paid their debt. I've paid for their sin. They're clean now because they've received my salvation. It says, by the new and living way that he, Jesus, opened for us through the curtain, the curtain being that, that thing that separated the Holy of Holies, the place where God was from the rest of the world. Jesus opened that curtain, tore it up, so that through his flesh, and since we have a great priest, uh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, that Jesus is that, that sacrifice, he's that priest, he's the method of forgiveness. And so when we pray in Jesus' name, that is an acknowledgement of all that Jesus does. When we pray in Jesus' name, it is acknowledging that the only reason I can even come to God in prayer is because Jesus made it possible, because he forgave me so that I could be clean enough to enter God's presence. And so the next time you pray, don't just, in Jesus' name, amen. Don't just flippantly rattle those words off. Think with gratitude that everything you've just asked for, everything you've just thanked God for, the only reason you were even able to do that is because Jesus made it possible. Say it in Jesus' name with gratitude and emphasis because that's what he deserves and that's what prayer, praying in Jesus' name is. It's an acknowledgement that Jesus makes a way for us to go to the Father. And since we're talking about the ways we end our prayers, you know, it's only appropriate that we talk about amen. Why do we say amen at the end of prayers? I got an email this week from Becky Hampton telling me she prays with her grandkids, and, and one time she was praying with, her, with them, and she noticed her grandson said amen kind of weird, but, you know, I don't know, I, my kids say lots of things weird, so I don't know if I would have caught that right away, you know, they pronounce things weird. Jude, Jude used to think that his ear was full of what he called earwax, but not X, C-K-S, that he had, an, like there was an earwax singular, and his ear was full of earwax. Like, what? And I was like, what? He's like, I got an earwhack. Can you get out of the earwhack? And I was like, he's like, maybe I got more than one earwax. And I was like, I get, okay, I get how you got there. It's wrong, totally wrong, but I get, what you're, I get where his head was, right? Well, so she's praying with her grandson, and she finally starts to listen to him, and he prays, and he was saying, game end. <laughs> like, amen, end. It sounds like end. So, a, game, game end. Okay, yeah, that makes sense to me. Like, I get that, right? And so, you know, sometimes we say things, and it's like, why do we do that? Like, that made sense to him. And, and so maybe you've wondered, this word that we don't say really anywhere else outside of church or when we're kind of like putting a stamp of approval on something that somebody has said, what is this word and why do we say it? Well, amen is simply, a, and it was a Hebrew word and then it was a Greek word. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew, the New Testament written in Greek. It's a word that simply translates, let it be so or surely it is true, which shows us the two different ways that we use it. When we pray, 
saying amen at the end of your prayer is kind of like a doubling down and saying, God just heard my prayers. Let this be so. What I've just asked you, God, what I've just requested from you, what I've just thanked you for, let it be so. Okay? And then you have the surely it is true. This is like when someone, if someone said, you know, Chick-fil-A is awesome, I would give it a hearty amen. Yeah, it is. Like, that's what, like, so you see the two ways that we use amen. So we still use it appropriately in our culture, but sometimes we just forget the meaning behind it because, again, it's habit, and we get these habits, and the more we do things, sometimes we forget the beauty and the meaning behind it. But, but amen, it is, it is an acknowledgement that my prayer was just heard by the God of the universe, and he knows my desires, and he's going to do what's good for me even if that means telling me no for whatever I just prayed for, that, that God's word and his promises are true and good and right. So the next time you pray, think about this stuff. Think about if you're going to pray to God the Father, why are you going to pray to God the Father? If you're going to say something to Jesus, why are you going to say something to Jesus? If you're going to talk to the Holy Spirit, think about the role of the Holy Spirit in your life and why you would talk to the Holy Spirit. Think about when, when you pray in Jesus' name, what that means and the beauty of, of what Jesus has done for you. And when you say amen, let it be known that you're talking to the good and loving God of the universe. Think about all of these things, because far too often in life I have uttered prayers out of habit, without fully engaging, without fully paying attention, without engaging my heart and my mind and into the words I was speaking to my Heavenly Father. And I just want to start giving my prayers the attention that God deserves when I talk to Him. And yes, I want to pray more often. Yes, I want to pray in a way that understands the depth of what, of what prayer is meant to be. But I also just want to appreciate the one I'm talking to and what I'm saying to him. So that, you know, I, I move beyond the fact that, you know, God's not just a drive-up window that I just kind of buzz in and say, I'd like this, thanks, on with my day. Because that's what it becomes for a lot of us as we go through life, and life is busy, and life is hectic, and when we forget prayer, and we think, when we think about it, it's like, I'll toss up a quick one just to so I feel better that I actually did it, rather than stopping for a moment to pray God's blessing on our families, on our communities, on our, on our brains as we have to process all this junk that's flying at us every day. And I just, I just hope that as we go through this series, we can kind of slow down a little bit and, and elevate prayer to the position in our lives that it deserves, because our Heavenly Father deserves us to stop and speak with Him. Our loving Savior deserves us to stop and thank Him at times. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us, ready and willing to give us the power to overcome sin and to live lives of purpose and power, and we need to stop and pray for that as well. So I want to start giving my prayers the attention they deserve, and hopefully you do too. Now, next week we're going to take it a little bit deeper, finally. We're not just going to talk about the basics. We're actually going to talk about what needs to be going on in our hearts when we approach God to pray, and it is definitely going to move us beyond that drive-through mentality, that genie-in-a-lamp in a mentality, and that perspective of prayer. So don't miss next week because we're going to start getting a little deeper into this. Now, as we always do, I want to close with prayer, not because we have to, not because it's habit, not because the transition would be awkward as I walked off stage and they came up to do music or anything like that, but I want to pray just because it's good for us to talk with our Heavenly Father and engage Him. And I just want you to realize that as we pray, He's listening to us. That's still, I mean, again, there's days when that doesn't blow my mind, but it always should. And there are times when I think, He hears me. 
Like, he hears me. My kids don't listen to me. And God's going to listen to me. Like, what? Like, how? They're like, they could be sitting next to me on the couch. James, James, James. Like, like I, nobody listens unless I'm yelling, I feel like, sometimes, right? But I can whisper a prayer in the darkness of night into my pillow, and the creator of the universe hears that. How amazing is that? It's something astounding, and I, I hope that um, astounds you, too. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful for all you do in our lives. We're so grateful. Even if we don't show it all the time, we mean to. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to to stop whatever else is flooding our minds and our hearts and that we would be able to bring praise and honor to you by, by showing you that you deserve our time and attention, that we would stop and we would pray to you with love and with care, with thoughtfulness, that we would boldly ask you for things because we know that, one, you're a good father. And like any good parent, you want to give good gifts to your kids. And so I pray that as we pray, that we know that you're good to us. And we know that when you say no, that like any good parent, you have a reason for saying no. For a lot of us, we've prayed prayers and been disappointed and and even been angry at you only to see the, the beautiful divine purpose that you had in store for us years later. And so I pray we would remember those moments and and let those inform how we react when you tell us no and when prayers don't get answered the way we should. And so, Father, as we come to you in prayer, hopefully through this series, our prayers become a little longer and a little more thoughtful and a little deeper. I just pray that you would help us to pray, that you would give us a desire to talk with you, that you would bring it to the front of our minds as we go throughout our day so that we can stop, slow down, and give you the time and attention that you deserve. The prayer would no longer be this other thing that we'd like to do more often, but it's this vital thing, this important thing that we can't imagine our days without. So thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for Jesus' salvation, and thank you for that spirit inside of us that gives us strength for today and strength and hope for tomorrow as well. Thank you so much for being a good and loving Father who's given us so much. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.